Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, December the 14th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And as is our custom on Mondays, we like to look at a reading or so from the following Sunday. And that's the fourth Sunday in Advent, December the 20th, 2020. Readings are from 2 Samuel 7, Romans 16, and Luke 1. During Advent, there are a number of congregations that say you should not be singing any Christmas hymns until Christmas. But that isn't necessarily a biblical point of view. Because Advent is celebrating the birth of Jesus, I don't see a problem with singing an occasional hymn of Christmas during Advent. In fact, we're going to be doing that this Sunday. And the hymn selected for this Sunday is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So that's pretty close to Christmas. At any rate, we're going to be taking a look at Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to be making a point that I've made a lot of times. When you read the Bible, there are always two interpretations of a passage. The one is the wrong interpretation, and the other is the correct interpretation. Then once you get past the interpretation you now need to move to the application. So if you got the wrong interpretation, you're not going to have the proper application. I'll give you an example. I've said this before. In Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep, there are a number of people who interpret that to say that we should be going out to find the lost sheep, bring them to church, and save them. Then the application would be a sort of evangelism on the part of the congregation. Well, guess what? That's not the proper interpretation of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is not talking about us doing evangelism, but is describing how you became a believer in Jesus Christ. You were a lost and condemned sinner. Jesus came to you. And then when he came to you, he picked you up, maybe out of the gully that you had fallen into, put you on his shoulders and carried you home. It's really about how you became a believer through Jesus Christ. And so the application would be to trust in Jesus that he did that for you. And probably through baptism, probably through coming to the word of God, but he's the one who did it. So you understand how the wrong interpretation can lead to the wrong application. Well, we have a problem like that in Luke chapter 1. So without further ado, let's begin taking a look at it. In the sixth month, 
the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. In the sixth month, what sixth month? The sixth month of the creation of the world? No. Scripture interprets scripture. So you take a look at the surrounding verses. This is chapter one of Luke. What happened before this is that Zacharias was visited by the angel Gabriel and said that he and his wife would have a son named John. So in the sixth month, that meant in the pregnancy of the wife that the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Gabriel, how many angels are named in the Bible? Now, in, in the Roman Catholic Bible, they have a bunch of Old Testament books that are not considered to be biblical because of historical and theological errors. And there are a number of other angels named in them. But if we're talking about the 66 books of the Bible, the Reformation and Protestants take a look at, how many angels were named? Most people would say two. We've got Gabriel and we've got Michael as named angels, but there's really three. The third one is Satan. Yeah, a lot of people don't think of Satan as an angel because as soon as we think of the word angel, we think somebody really good, somebody holy, somebody who is obeying God. And Satan is just the opposite. But he is what we refer to as a fallen angel. And he has a number of names in the Bible. Satan, Beelzebub, Lucifer, etc. So, this is a good angel, and he came to a city of Galilee to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. This is very, very important, that Betrothed meant she was engaged. And engagement was really serious in those days. In fact, if a woman or a man broke the engagement, that was almost like a form of divorce. So they would be engaged, and maybe that engage would last for a number of months uh, until the marriage. But then the marriage would take place. Well, in this case, we're going to find out that the marriage does not take place until Mary is pregnant. And, and that's why in the Bible, the Pharisees say, we're Abraham's children, and at least we were not born out of wedlock because they were aware that Mary had been pregnant before she married Joseph. And of course, from the world's point of view, that meant that Joseph or another man had impregnated her and that she was really a, a form of a adulteress because she had already been betrothed. Well, we then get into the next verse. Her name was Mary, and Gabriel came to her and said, 
Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, this is where we run into a problem. Why was Mary favored? What was there about her that she became a favorite of God's? For example, some parents will say that about children. Yeah, I have uh, two sons and a daughter, but my favorite child is the daughter. And if you ask them why, maybe she was the most obedient or the other sons maybe stopped going to church and she continued to go to church, married a Christian man. Who, who knows what the reasons were? But some parents think along that way. So when we hear the word favored one, we're always under the impression that is the world is that there is something in Mary that God, that caused God to favor her. That's the normal understanding of favored one. So what application is there for us? Well, God is with you, the angel said. The Lord is with you, referring to God because she's favored. What have we done that we can be sure that God is with us because we're also a favorite of God's? You see, that's where the problem comes in. We don't know that much about the Virgin Mary prior to the angel Gabriel visiting her. Now, in Roman Catholic theology, they believe she was sinless. And of course, that would be a reason why God favored her, because she never sinned. Well, that just doesn't make any sense. All have fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't say all but Mary have fallen short of the glory of God. No, it's clear from the Bible, only Jesus was sinless as a human being. Every other human being was short of being sinless. In, in fact, Mary in her song afterwards refers to Jesus as her Savior. Well, how can he be her Savior if she didn't need a Savior, if she was never a sinner? And, and that's an important point to keep in mind. So we, we've got to think about this. Why does Gabriel refer to her as a favored one of God. Well, we'll go on and the answer will become clear. Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, it doesn't explain where her question was, but Mary knew herself to be a sinner. And so why does God favor me? How am I different than anybody else? I sin by thought, word, and deed. And she could be in trouble too. What did the angel look like? We assume he looked like a regular human being as he did when two of the angels and Jesus met with Abraham in the Old Testament. 
Did he have wings? Was that obvious? Probably not. So the angel says to her, because she was really troubled at this saying, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, is that the same as saying she's the favored one? It sounds like it is. And the question then is, why did she find favor with God? What was about her that God decided to favor her? No, that's a wrong interpretation. What the angel is saying is that she has found favor with God. What does that mean? Well, when somebody finds favor with you, why are they seeing you in favor? It could be because you've done something for them. Maybe they were painting their house or raking their lawn, and you came over and helped them rake their lawn. And so you're regarded as someone who has favor from these people. They may bring you a box of chocolates or something because of what you have done. But Christmas shows us another kind of favor. And I'm not talking about the birth of Jesus. I'm talking about the favor that children receive at Christmas. They get Christmas presents. Now, why are they favored with Christmas presents? Probably not because of anything they've done, but because of how they are related to those giving them the Christmas presents. For example, a father and mother will give Christmas presents even to a child that is two or three years old. I remember when one of my sons was about that age, he could hardly do anything. So I gave him a Christmas present of an electric train. And boy, did I have fun putting it together and running it. <laughs> he found favor with me, not because of what he had done, but because of my relationship to him. And this is how we are to understand that Mary found favor with God. God's favor is often referred to as the blessings that he dispenses upon those he favors. And who does he favor? He favors, first of all, all people in the world. So if you take a look at give us this day our daily bread, it's referring to the many, 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 many temporal blessings that come not only to believers, but also to unbelievers. When I travel through Illinois and I see crop after crop of corn on these huge fields, I cannot look at the field and say, oh, that was done by a Christian or that was done by an unbeliever. There's no distinction when it comes to the favor of God upon people in the temporal realm. But in the spiritual realm, God finds favor in the sense that he favors a person with spiritual gifts, such as the forgiveness of sins, 
the robe of righteousness. And in Mary's situation, pregnancy with the Son of God. It's not that there was something in Mary that God looked out over the whole world and said, now she's my favorite one. She's the one that I have such a love for. I will make her the one pregnant with Jesus. No, she was favored by God by becoming pregnant. Now, Mary gets that message from Gabriel. He says, you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, Mary's listening to that information about who the son will be. But notice her question. Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, this is a question that makes sense because she is not yet married, She is not with Joseph, living with Joseph. So how, as a virgin, will she conceive and bear a child? And the answer is given by the angel. Verse 35, Luke 1. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So the angel explains what we confess in the Apostle Creed. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. But the important point is that there was nothing particularly that favored Mary over other people. No. God favored her by choosing her to have her become the virgin mother of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's really important for application because in this sermon, what could be said is, are you sure that God favors you? Are you doing sufficient good works? so he can say you're one of his favorite ones. That would be the application if there was something in Mary that moved God to choose her. It should be clear from the Bible that God favors people who don't deserve it. Who became apostle to the Gentiles? It was a murderer called Saul. And on the road to Damascus, God favored him by Jesus talking with him. He came to faith, was baptized, and became the great writer of the book of Romans, probably the best theological book in the entire Bible, explaining that we're saved not by works, 
but through faith in Jesus Christ. The angel also helps us understand how the text begins in the sixth month, verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So God is able to do what we would consider to be supernatural miracles uh, against reason. And this is said a number of times. In fact, probably Mark 10 is one of the best passages where the rich man says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, obey the commandments perfectly. Give all your money to the poor. Come follow me. These are the things you'd have to do in order to be saved. And, of course, the rich man goes away because he has too much trust in his money, and he doesn't think he's that sinful. But the disciples asked Jesus, who then can be saved? And he says, with men, which means man, woman, or child, it is impossible. But not with God for all things are possible with God. What what Jesus is saying there, there is nothing you can do that God will look on you as one of his favorites because it's not what you have done. It's what Jesus has done. That's why God looks on you and favors you with salvation, with the forgiveness of sins with a robe of righteousness because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What does Mary say? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Well, he may have departed, but the word of God did not depart. And Mary was pregnant with the Son of God. And that was according to the promise of Gabriel, who was speaking on behalf of God. Pastors often are referred to as angels. Uh, For example, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, there's seven churches that Jesus addresses, and he addresses to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, etc., etc. Well, who's the angel? The word angel means messenger. And so when you hear a sermon that should be a message from God himself that tells you you are favored by God, but not because of what you have done, but simply out of his grace, he made a decision to favor you just as he did Saul on the road to Damascus. And he favors you with the blessings of the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness. And there are many, many other promises 
from the Bible that God favors you. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you. No temptation will come to you beyond your ability to endure. In fact, I will provide a way of escape. You are therefore favored by God because of Jesus Christ. And those blessings come to you not through your works, but through faith, believing the promises of the Holy Gospel. That's really what law and gospel is all about. If you interpret this passage under the law, that means there's something that Mary did in order to be favored with God. But if you interpret it under the gospel, which it is meant to be, that means God favors her, and we have no reason why he chose her any more than you have a reason why he chose you. But you became his through faith in the word or through the waters of baptism. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be doing what I consider to be a Christmas hymn. It's the hymn selected for the fourth Sunday in Advent, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So I, Tom Baker, along with Mark Smith, will help explain and apply that hymn to you. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.